Yo, what's up guys, JB here. Today is Saturday, or Sunday now, the 24th of February, 2013. We are here with a new roundtable discussion podcast. Every time we do this, we work with a different artist or artists, and we ask for questions from you guys in the forums. You can submit any question you want. We give you about 24 hours to do so, and that's what we've done right now. Uh, the questions started last night, which was Saturday night, and they lasted until today, Sunday. Um, to ask these questions. You've submitted hundreds of questions over the past 18, 19, 20 hours, and we're going to get to as many questions as possible within this podcast. The subject of this podcast is mentalism, and more specifically, a guy named Spidey. Not Spider-Man, Spidey. Uh, also a superhero, but only in mentalism. Spidey, can you hear me right now? I can. How's it going? Thanks. Good, man. Thanks for having me. Great. Thanks for doing this. And we're going to get to a lot of questions. Uh, we've got a whole range of questions talking about mentalism, uh, your uh, new effect, psycho, and a lot of other things that are mental and magic related. But uh, I know you've got limited time. You're traveling this week. You're in Miami at the moment. Um, so we'll get to as many questions and we'll start right now. Um, the first question I thought would be a good one to start with is by the Sunny G. Uh, the Sunny G and his post number is number two, and his question is, what got you into mentalism? So what is your story? What brought you to uh, magic and more specifically the world of mentalism? Um, good question. I think it's a good one to start with because a lot of people were asking that. Uh, what specifically got me into mentalism is, is tough to say because when I was a little bit younger, the, the distinction between mentalism and magic wasn't as clear as it is now. Now it's like anyone from the seasoned pro to the younger guys who are starting up easily know the difference between magic and mentalism because it's almost specified um, on, on the internet page. It says this goes into mentalism. When I was younger, it was very similar. Mind magic, mentalism, magic. It was just, it wasn't so clear. So, I mean, I got into magic. Um, it was it was an obsession. I was traveling. I was in Vegas and I was a young teenager and I saw Houdini's magic shop and I, I picked up a trick a couple of tricks actually and I went home and played with them and the next day I went back and I fooled the guy who sold it to me and that's when I knew that okay so I, I like magic and, and maybe I'm good at this creating thing which wasn't that clear back then but it was cool that you know I came up with more variation I played around with that and then I, I went back home to Canada and I called up one of the stores there and I said listen let me come in let me demo for you guys let me let me learn don't pay me just let me go through everything and so I read like every book watch every DVD that was up there and you know I just I was obsessed and and from then I just mentalism happened more as a transition I was always um, super into psychology my, my degrees in social psychology so it was just more about transitioning to mentalism uh, because I love the aspect of really getting into people's heads and and um, I'm just, I love it. I just love the idea of that. Gets me on, gets me going. So you like the idea of what magic without props of just using your mind and that that's what you think attracted you to mentalism specifically? Uh, yes and no. I mean, the props, I don't like any props that are obvious. You know, the gimmicks that are hidden and that they'll never know about are great. Um, I don't like using any obvious props. There, there must be something, you know, there's something to be said about visual magic. I do love visual magic and, and I do perform close-up magic. But there's just something about mentalism that feels real and that's what it is for me. It's, it's the love of what feels real. I mean, you could tell by my nickname that I love superheroes and always have. And for me, magic has always been trying to get one step closer to um, having superpowers. Now, I never say I have superpowers. I always say that what I do can be explained. But mentalism just feels real. I mean, like you said, the props are just so much more organic. What are we using? Papers, envelopes, playing cards at most. Uh, but there's just something that feels real, and I love that. 
There's a good question. Uh, you were talking about what your inspirations were in this magic shop in Las Vegas, etc. The question post number is 14 from Zixaf. Um, he's in the USA and he's asking kind of two questions I thought are worth asking here. What do you use for inspiration when creating your effects? And as a follow-up, was there any magician or magicians or mentalists that you looked up to and that have really influenced you along the way? So basically asking, what are your inspirations? Uh, sure. Uh, I do want to mention something at this point when it comes to creating. Uh, I saw another post. I don't know if we're going to have time to cover it, so I'm just going to mention this. One of the posts suggested, how do you know when an effect is ready to, uh, you know, kind of teach to other people? And I think that's important. We need to come back to that because uh, it kind of relates to all this. What what inspires me to create and also, I guess, inspires me to release what I've created uh, and I think a lot of the younger guys need to know this because a lot of the younger guys are you know, striving to create and, and, and teach what they create, and that's great. I think it's important to mention that the, the intended outcome is never to release a trick. It's the inspiration comes from what do I want to do. And it's not what do I want to do in terms of how do I want to reveal this card. No, it's what do I want to convey to my audience. What do I want to... What do I want them to see? What do I want them to believe? Um, which, you know, if we talk about psycho in a little bit, I'll come back to this idea. But it's essentially what inspires me to create is everything around me. I might, you know, um, I might tell myself, oh, you know, here's this thing I, I want. I want this reaction out of my audience member. Here's what I want to convince them. And then I'll work towards an effect that can do that. And so I rarely start with a method. Uh, it, it's very rare in my work that I'll come up with an interesting method and then I'll try to find uh, what to do with it. I'll usually come up with an effect and then I'll figure out the way to do it and then I'll just do it and do it and do it and do it, and do it until it's perfect, until it works, until I've got all the subtleties down, all the psychological um, subtleties and then I'll present it and then when I've done it long enough and when I say long enough, I mean years often and you know the shortest it's ever been is a couple of months, then it's ready to release but that's never the goal and that's how I think you get good products and that's what I'm when President about 311 it's clear that everything that's being released has been performed again and again and again by its creator which is uh, a lot more than I could say for a lot of other uh, products on, on you know different other sites that I've seen uh, as for magicians who inspire me I'm not gonna sit here and give a list of people who inspire me I mean I can uh, however I do believe that everyone can inspire me. You know, any any performance I see, uh, you know, I've seen tons of performers internationally. Everyone can inspire you, even if it's, you know, seeing what you don't want to do. You can watch a terrible performance and see what you don't want to do uh, and what you want to stay away from. So in a sense, every single performer I've ever seen have inspired me. That being said, my favorite magician of all time is probably Tommy Wonder because of the way he thought about magic and how his effects weren't magician foolers, but they were so good and so complete that they just fried everyone, magicians and laymen. He was merciless. And I think of, of, of all the performers of all time, I love the way he thinks about magic, but it, I don't mean to say he's the only person who's inspired me. Almost every magician I've ever seen has inspired me. Good. Next question here from Jacoa, post number 21. What is your opinion on mixing mentalism and magic? Can they work together and should they? That question actually stood out for me too, and I'm happy you asked it. Um, I believe they can be mixed. I believe it's got to be approached slightly delicately. In my show, what I do is I come out and I do a couple of magic effects. The reason for that is because magic is more visual. It's usually faster, and you get to the punch quicker. So it gets people's attention a little bit faster. And I work for a lot of colleges, and I work for a lot of corporate events where people have been consuming alcohol. So 
I got to come out. I got to do the magic. Not not that I have to. I choose to. That way, I get their attention quickly, and and then I tell them, okay, so that's magic. That's trickery. Now here's the mentalism. So it's like the pace changes, my attitude changes, but I have them. They're on my hook. And so I can transition with that. I do think there's a distinction. I think both can be performed together, but you have to convey to your audience, okay, here's the part where I did the tricks. It was visual. It was quick. Now here's the stuff. Now now here's what happens when psychology comes into play. And I do believe they can be performed together. You can't make it a mess, though. Do one mental thing, then a magic thing. Uh, in close-up, it's fine, I guess, uh, to kind of mix a little bit like that. But but on stage, when I'm trying to you know pace it right, it's usually quick magic, get their attention, maybe another magic thing, and then go towards the mentalism. Speaking of dealing with spectators, you're talking about how you pace yourself and how you present mentalism effects versus magic effects. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you do a lot of private engagements. You're doing a lot over the next month. We just talked about before we started recording. Um, you do a lot of private events and big shows, small shows. Uh, posts by Heated Jeans, post number 29. How do you deal with hecklers? What kind of hecklers do you come across when you are performing mentalism and how do you usually respond to them? It's a great question because I do know that a lot of performers um, have to deal with hecklers and I do have a lot of opinions on on hecklers and it comes mainly from the fact that before getting into magic or you know during my earlier stages in magic, I also um, was uh, very prominent and, and very active in the um, you know I don't want to call it the pickup industry but I guess more the social interactive industry let's call it that way and I I guess my work on hecklers came from that because I find that if you set up your attitude right and address your audience well, you don't have to worry about hecklers because the heckler is a guy who feels threatened by your influence, by your presence, and who feels that like when you talk to, uh, you know, maybe there's like some women in the group and you're really good at, at interacting with them and the magic seems to be impressing them. These guys tend to feel threatened and they heckle you for that. That's my belief. I believe that if you come out as a guy who's like, just chill and you're there to have a good time and instead of isolating them and really focusing on, you know, the more attractive people of the group, just sort of feel that, okay, this guy has a need for attention and deal with that in the beginning. Make him the star, you know, work with him, joke with him. If he throws a joke at you, don't feel threatened, work with that. I believe that you can eliminate hecklers before they even show up. It's very, very rare that I get hecklers. And when I do, I'm, I tend to not be very aggressive unless they're like super drunk and they're like really, really getting out of hand. In which case, I believe that at that point, my audience is so on my side that they will turn on him by themselves. So I believe more in eliminating the hecklers before they become hecklers than dealing with them. That was, yeah, that's basically the same advice that uh, Jason England wrote in a Mysterium article we posted this past Wednesday of talking about the best way to, you know, to defeat the heckler is to try to work your performance in such a way that you prevent it from ever happening. You could, you, you don't lose control of the audience. You maintain control the entire time. Um, so he was saying instead of regaining control, the best option is to maintain control the entire time or try to at least uh, try to think through every possible scenario of how they could try to steer you wrong and guide them in the right direction. So I think that's yeah, great it- advice. And it's super important, especially as a mentalist, because there's something inherently weak about a mentalist who can't control his audience, right? If you come out and you're like, I'm a master of all things psychological, and this drunk guy is giving you a hard time, what does that say to your audience? It's like, well, Mr. Prediction couldn't predict that this guy was going to step out of line, and Mr. I can influence your thoughts, can't influence this guy to shut up. So it's like, you got to be careful about that, because when a heckler turns on you and it seems like you're losing control of your audience, especially as a mentalist... Um, the underlying message is that my state of mind is not as strong as I've been claiming up here for an hour. Right. 
Um, two upcoming questions here. First one is really uh, short. Yes or no answer. Simon Art, post number 32. Question, are you afraid of spiders? Yes or no? <laughs> no. No. Next question, post number 33. <laughs> Anthony Almario. Uh, this is a good question. It's a little deep question. In your previous releases, you mentioned that your passion is combining psychology and attraction with your own brand of magic. Uh, in the modern world, do advancements in technology affect the way we magicians apply those principles uh, to the art? Basically, I think he's what he's saying is, has technology affected the way that you create or perform magic, or should it, will it? It's a great question. It's something I struggle with because I've got a lot of buddies that are like in IT and computers and technology, and they're always talking about this cool stuff that's coming out. And it always kind of scares me that technology might kill what we do because, you know, 10 years from now, I might get on stage and tell someone to think of a number, tell them what it is, and some guy will tell me, oh, my, you know, iPhone 23 can do that too. Um, you know, it's a little scary, but I do believe that people will always appreciate just genuine skill, you know? Uh, just, I don't know, sometimes when I'm creating, my mind tends to go to, okay, technology can make this better, but I do believe that my creations do have a very sort of non-technological, I, I suck at creating gimmicks. I'm so bad at it. The only gimmicks I've created are like simple modifications to, you know, um, envelopes and, and, and like I said, you know, uh, cards and this and that. It's very simple. My mind doesn't think in terms of technology. It thinks in terms of how can I modify the things that I have. So as much as I think that technology can benefit mentalism and magic, I also think that with time it'll, um, it'll have less of an impact on the spectators maybe. It's a great question and, and it's something that should be analyzed more in depth and, and I feel that I, I might need a little bit more time to think about that question. So I encourage a person who asked it uh, to hit me up on Facebook for a discussion on that. And I'd be happy to sort of share my insight on that. It's an interesting topic. I mean, of course, with, you know, technology in general, like you could say five years ago, 10 years ago, three years ago to someone, hey, um, what is, uh, you know, can you recite pi to like 18 digits? And then the ability to do that, you know, on a whim with no preparation. Now it's like you can probably ask Siri that and she'll know. Yeah. Um, whereas before that would take, uh, you know, books and uh, to even be able to prepare for that. You've got all of these things in a eight millimeter thick iPhone that's in your pocket at all times and access to all this information, yeah. basically all the world's information through Siri, through Google at a whim. So we as magicians and uh, mentalists in particular have to keep that in mind because the general public is aware that everyone kind of access to knowledge of anything at all times. If I say, uh, hey, Spidey, uh, who, you know, what, what year were uh, Tom Hanks' first movie filmed? You could find that out literally less than 10 seconds, whereas before, yeah. that, you know, before that would involve research, you know, phone a friend on a, who wants to be a millionaire. Or a library or something, yeah. Yeah, so it is interesting. Um, um, and, you know, we, we could sit here and let that affect us and, and, and sort of bring us down, or we can just use it to, you know, use it subtly in our effects. I don't mean rely entirely on technology because it pisses me off to see a show where, you know, somebody gets up there and just um, it relies entirely on technology. And it's like, oh, here's this 200 thing I just bought, $200 thing I just bought, here's this other 300 thing I just bought. And their show is just demonstrating technology. Their audience just doesn't know it. Um, one of my favorite performers is uh, just incredible, Justin Willman. And, you know, he's the guy's brilliant. Like the way he just combines, you know, I mean, I don't want to give too much away about, about what he's doing. You know, that's not what this is about. But, you know, he's got a couple of, the more expensive gimmicks in in his in his show, and then, but he just masked him with so much presentation and charm and great, you know, hilarious presentations that at the end you just 
you'll lose the technology. It's not there. You don't sense it. You don't feel it. Correct. It's about his show in particular. It's it's honestly the magic is a, a bonus, really. And you could say that's <laughs> a weakness, but it's really not. He's an entertainer. He's obviously yeah. a TV host as well. His show is about entertainment. And so the magic is like an extra. It's the sprinkles on top of it. That's like, wow, it fooled me too. But it was just yeah. so fun and funny and entertaining. And, and I, was, I was so captivated throughout it. That's, I think, the greatest success as a, yeah. as a performer. Absolutely. Um, here we go. There's a question that's a little deep from Shafe of Spades, St. Louis, Missouri, post number 40. What is one thing you wish you knew when you were starting out that you now know? You know, th- this goes back to the whole, do you have any regrets in your career? And it's a question that came up several times in the uh, in your submissions. The thing is, is I mean, yes, there was. there's a lot of things I wish I knew back then. But if I could go back and tell myself that, would I? Not necessarily because it took not knowing that to get – you know, my butt kicked a little and and get to where I am today. You know, I mean, yeah, I had gigs that flopped like crazy in the beginning, like just complete disasters. If I could go back and give myself a piece of advice right in the beginning, it's um, don't perform until you know you're ready. And knowing you're ready doesn't mean your family telling you you're ready. Go like, you know, go to a magic club, go to the magic shop, local magic shop, go to like, you know, go to the 311 forums, post a video of what you're doing and ask for honest opinion from other magicians. Let them tell you if you're ready to do this for people or not. If you are, your first, you know, we always look back at our earlier gigs and say, wow, that was terrible. I'm sure that in two years I'll look back at the gigs I was doing, you know, this year or last year and be like, oh my God, I had no idea what I was doing. Maybe not to the same extent, but, you know, we just always improve. And and it takes a couple of bad shows to push that improvement. I think you need to share what you do with other magicians. Know that you're ready. Uh, that and probably uh, once you are ready, know your value. Know what you're worth. If you go to a place and you're like, "Can I?" You know, I want to perform here, and they tell you, "All right, here's our budget." And that's about half of what you wanted. Don't sell yourself short because if they're paying you less, they're probably going to be less committed to the process, and the show is going to be a bit more of a disaster. Um, one of the first pieces of advice that Chris Kenner gave me when I was 13 years old was, you know, perform everywhere often uh and he said you know this is when i was i was just starting out i was doing stage shows at the time and uh his advice was basically perform a lot because you're, you have to go through a certain number of performances where you suck um before <laughs> you were ever going to get good and it, it's really that advice is rang true more than i mean i used to do shows at cub scout events i used to do shows for the spca not for the dogs for the people i used to do shows for schools i used to walk around at restaurants and just performing as and after you do you know a thousand performances especially performances where you're getting paid to do something um, your your experience and the number of scenarios that you can deal with and the way you talk yeah. to people and the confidence that you project just grows more and more and more. And then, you know, over the years, I used to videotape not all of my shows, but at least the larger shows. And then I would watch them after and then I'd watch them again like six months later. And I was absolutely mortified of how right. unbelievably <laughs> embarrassingly bad I was. <laughs> but it's cool because you, you're able to judge yourself and see how awkward you sounded or see how you know weird that came off or yeah. how you should have adjusted something. I think that's always a progression, just performing as much as possible. And the, usually, yeah. um, you know, I've heard from a, another really respected magician that you know the difference between a good performer and a great performer is usually around a thousand shows. And you can tell the difference between someone that has a great act and great tricks but hasn't done it enough where it just clicks and everything is 
flows. Another example of this is Steve Cohen at the Waldorf Astoria. If you go to his show, you can just tell he's done that show thousands of times. Yeah. Not because he walks through it, not because he isn't doesn't seem interested. He does. Every every aspect he's he's really engaged. But it's just a level of confidence and flow and ease that he goes through that show like a you know master performer. And you can just tell he's done it so many times. So that was great advice, I think, of just performing often and performing until you really get a handle and a level of confidence in what you're doing. What I would add to that, though, really quickly is that um, when Chris kind of gave you that advice, as valid as it was, there was something back then when we were 13 or, or when we were younger teenagers there. You know, we didn't have a great set like 311 that gave us that forum of other magicians who can, you know, we had to go out and perform for people because we didn't have much of an option. Right. Now you can perform and you can film it, put it on the forum, and thousands of people will see it and give you that advice. So you, I, I think you can make it shorter. And another thing that I dis- dislike is when young, unexperienced performers um, get gigs and kind of uh, taint the image of, that people have of magicians, which is why I do discourage people working for, yeah, work for friends, family, yes, free events, yes, but don't go take gigs and have people pay and then swear off magicians because that just gives us all a bad name. So it's a fine line. Yes, perform as much as you can, but don't be scared to ask advice. Um, and the other thing I want to say uh, is I want to see the footage of you performing at SPCA on a forum very soon. Absolutely will never, ever happen. Those tapes <laughs> oh. have long been burned or, or it's in... Uh, the the in, torn and restored Rottweiler. Yeah. <laughs> no, that was a lot of performances. Yeah, and Chris's advice was just to perform. It wasn't about performing right, right. necessarily for money. If you can go Absolutely. go to a restaurant and say, "Can I, you know, perform walk around?" You know, if you want to be a restaurant performer, if you want to have that gig, go perform for free every every you know once a week and do it yes. twice a week, and you'll have hours of performances under your belt. The other thing I know that Chris would add to what you just said was, if you're performing for magicians, sometimes uh, if I channel Chris, he would say, "I'm 99% positive," he would say that ma- magicians usually make pretty bad critics of each other. There's no critic in the magic right. industry because magic industry is so close together, it's very rare that you'll get um, complete, honest, um, constructive criticism of each other because it's your friend or it's because right. it's a stranger and he's giving, you know, and, and that can work two ways. It could be a friend of yours not giving his totally unfiltered critique because he likes yeah. you. And it could also be a stranger who's giving you their unfiltered critique but has no qualification for doing so because they right. don't know anything about what they're talking about. So you just right. have to be careful of who you're taking advice from and I guess the summary is consider the source so that, right. that'd be my thing of that um, uh, Josh Clark post number 43 what is your heritage slash nationality you have an interesting last name uh, it's Armenian anything that ends with I-A-N is, is Armenian so make it a rule if you hear I-A-N at the end of a, a last name you know they're Armenian except Italian Italian also ends in I-A-N no I mean the la- <laughs> <laughs> the last name Oh uh, yeah, all, all all Italians are Armenian. No, like if the last name Akelian, I N at the end, means I'm Armenian. How about accordion? Accordions are Armenian. <laughs> okay, you win. <laughs> <laughs> um, here's a question uh, from Farouk Farouk in Pakistan. Uh, for, post number forty-seven. What can we expect in two thousand thirteen from you? Awesomeness. No, I'm, I'm working. Uh, why aren't you laughing at my joke, JP? <laughs> There you go. Um, you know, I mean, as you know, you guys flew me out to Vegas and we filmed a bunch of really cool stuff. And then, you know, we're going for round two soon. Um, just essentially, we can expect a lot of uh, 
kind of organic mentalism, which is, you know, what, what I've always been into, uh, sort of stuff that were handpicked by you guys from, from my repertoire that I've been doing for years. Uh, you know, just, just really classic stuff that I've been working with for years and years uh, that have been in my mentalism act that I've refined over the years. Simple stuff, organic stuff, effective stuff that I'm very excited to share with you guys. Uh, just really cool mentalism, I guess. Yeah, it's a lot more mentalism, I think, is the short answer for what they can expect of what's about awesome. to come. It's, it's yeah. something that we've been lacking a lot, I feel like, on Theory 11. It's definitely something that you guys will see us attack a lot more and really powerful stuff throughout um, 2013 from Spidey and beyond. Um, good question from Ryan Lurie, post number 51. We'll try to get to a few more here before we go. Um, do you script your shows? Being a parlor mentalist, I find it hard to script shows due to so many outcomes. Do you script your shows? Do you have a rough script that you work off of? How do you work that? Um, it's, a, it's a huge, huge question. It's very important in my career that uh, I don't, and here's why. It just makes sense that I don't. My style is like, Chaotic. Very. I'm very good with ad libs. I'm very good at improvising. Um, I have. I have a lot of like history with improv. Um, I. I had a. I hired a. Uh, a consultant at some point to come look at my shows, and he had worked on Eric DeCamp's show. Uh, and for those of you who know Eric DeCamp, he's just spectacular and so scripted. Every. Everything about what he does is meticulously planned, and it works for him. And I got this guy to come see my show, and after my show, I went to him and I said. Uh, listen, I, I know I'm not scripted like Eric, and he goes, no, and I wouldn't have you be because it wouldn't make sense. Um, my, my chaos makes sense. I'm just, I'm lost on stage. And that's, you know, I believe that. If Superman could come on stage and, and had to demonstrate his abilities, he wouldn't be scripted. He wouldn't say, all right, well, now I'm going to freeze this thing with my breath. He'd just kind of show up and be like, all right, well, I guess I'll do this now. I guess I'll do that now. And I believe that when you do it chaotically, it kind of conveys to your audience that you've got it. You could do it. It's just you're on stage and you're demonstrating what you can do. Do you have and, a rough outline of, of what you're showing? Yes, yes I, yes. I have an outline and there's a presentation and each effect has, okay, here's what I'm going to talk about. Here's the topic I'm going to talk about and here's the effect that I'm going to do and here's the sequence but nothing is scripted. It's all just the way I feel that day. If you script something and you're happy while you're scripting it and you get on stage and you're kind of having a more mysterious day, it's going to sound fake. So I don't script. But if you're someone who's more logical and works better with scripts, go ahead and script it. Um, there's a good question here that probably be a quick answer off the top of your head. Magic Man 07, six, post number 66. Um what are some recommendations for great mentalism-filled books that are currently out there? So what are your favorite, uh, when you were learning mentalism, the, the basics and such, um, were there any, what are the iconic books of mentalism if you had to pick two or three? Obviously, you can't ignore 13 Steps to Mentalism by Corinda. Some say that a lot of the stuff in there is outdated, maybe, but it's a good basis. Practical Mental Effects by Anman is is kind of like one of my favorites. I constantly go back to it for referral. And my favorite mentalism book, my favorite compilation of mentalism is T.A. Waters' Mind, Myth, and Magic, one of my favorite books of magic and mentalism to, uh, together combined. Um, post next, next post, totally different subject. I'm just trying to jump around to get to as many as we can. Post number 76. Uh, what do you do if one of your effects does not work or did not go as planned? Laugh about it. Go to the next one. I'll do that then. Yeah, no, the audience. Uh, no, the, the audience know. The audience knows when you messed up a lot of the time. I mean, if it's if you can recover, go ahead. But if the audience know you messed up, just laugh with them. They'll have a good laugh. Move on to the next one. It's not the end of the world. Um, let's see here. Do, 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 do. I'm going to jump around a little bit here. Let's say, uh, um, when did, uh, post 
by, uh, let's see, post number 81 by Junkbox. His, his question is, uh, where did you get your name from? There's a lot of questions that ask, where are the roots of the, the name Spidey? Where did it come from? Uh, can, we, can we address that? Yeah, quite, quite simply, uh, when I started off, before I started, I was a, a counselor at a day camp when I was a younger teenager, and we all had to have like uh, silly, silly names like for the kids to kind of call us by because they didn't want to give the real names. Spidey was mine because uh, I, I am a Spider-Man fan, uh, I'm a comic book fan, and I, I picked Spidey. And then the very first shows I did were for the kids of that camp, and so I printed out business cards that said Spidey, and the name stuck, uh, literally. Um, you know, I could... <laughs> <laughs> it's stuck. Get it? Because Spider-Man has a web. web. So, um, uh, yeah, that's it. Post number 86, smiley face. Uh, what's your most embarrassing magic-related story? Like, for me, I used, I closed my first ever stage show with uh, the um, Gypsy Thread Effect, performed like Alain Chaquette, um, where I had it in you know beautiful music and all the crescendo. It was a closer to my stage show, 500 people, paying audience there. And the uh, the uh, you know did not the, the the thread did not restore it knotted up and so it was an epic fail the closer of my first stage show absolute giant embarrassing epic fail what's yours and ladies and gentlemen that's why he no longer performs he just runs a magic site <laughs> um, my first stage show not my last oh, okay no I, I want to see you perform one day I'm very active about that um yeah I've I've had some bad flops one terrible flop was uh, a performance in a resort in Mexico. I don't want to tell the whole story now, but if you guys want to hear it, hit me up on Facebook. I will tell it to you. It was with uh, um, a great magician from uh, San Diego, I believe, or maybe it's San Francisco. I'm not sure. Santiago. Uh, by the name of uh, Jay Alexander, he's a great magician, um, and we were working together uh, in Mexico at a resort, and something just went horribly wrong. Um, I guess the gods of magic were looking down upon me and saying, let's have a little bit of fun. I will tell you the full story of that if you guys get me on Facebook, but it's too long to tell in this interview. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with what you said, that if you perform enough, um, no matter how much preparation you do, something will always go oh, yeah. it, oh, It's not yeah. a bad thing. It doesn't mean you're a bad magician. It's just if, you do, if you're doing anything enough, something will go wrong. And so having a plan B and a plan C, all of the best performers that I've, I've, I know have at least a plan B, um, if not a plan C as well throughout their shows, not if, but when right. something eventually right. goes wrong. So I think that's a great, uh, a great thing to talk about. Um, Absolutely. And to, to end this, there's a lot of questions here that are just talking about what specifically to expect coming soon from Spidey, from Theory 11. You talked about this a few moments ago, but is there any more detail that we want to leave people with as a final note here before you go? What can they expect over the next few months? Um, we, got, we got a really cool thing coming with a deck of cards that's, that's my go-to magician's fooler and has been for years. This is a thing that uh, when I first met uh, Wayne Houchin, I performed for him and, and he really enjoyed it thoroughly. Um, a lot of people, you know, a lot of fans of Celebrity Match and uh, The Peak uh, have been asking me, you know, you know, they knew I was collaborating with Wayne with a couple of things. They asked me what the rest of it was. This is one of them, uh, except for, you know, we, we refilmed it with Andre and Andre is just like the god of cinematography. And... Uh, you know, so we got a really great card thing coming up. We've got uh, cool stuff with envelopes that we're going to be working on, uh, which is really a, a very important aspect of mentalism. Um, anyways, I don't, I don't want to give too much away, but really cool stuff. You know, with with, with envelopes, some some great stuff with uh, just organic sort of mentalism downloads coming your way. 
you know, you guys tell us what you want to see and we'll make more of it. Like, you know, I just love mentalism and I've got a, a lot of real cool stuff and, and a lot of it coming your way and, and a lot more to be worked on. Yeah, it's, so, it's, yeah. it's a great diversity of material that we've already, you know, produced with you that has not yet yeah. been released. So they should look forward to that over the next few weeks. But it's, it's very diverse. Not all of it's card magic. Not all right. of it is, you know, with normal everyday objects. Some of it is using no objects. Um, yeah. And this is, I feel like, very important material for people to learn if you are even a casual hobbyist in magic. These are effects that if you have a deck of cards, if you have a post-it you know, yes. pad in your pocket, yes. you can you know these things at all times. You can perform this very, very, very powerful yeah, material. I mean, yeah, we should, also, we should also mention we got a great stuff coming with, uh, with books that, uh, you know, you and uh, and Dan Dan White were were, were quite a bit into and, and we're, t- we're touching it up, we're refining it. It's great because it's sort of you know it's just borrowed books and there's a whole bunch of stuff you could do with it, and I, I just love that. It's got an organic feel with borrowed objects, and it's important to say also these downloads will be beginner friendly because I will cover the basis, but they will also be um, pro friendly because I will give my variations and my creations when it comes to all these different aspects of I mentalism. I think that was a really cool note about what we did is we we, we wanted to make each of these mentalism downloads that are going to be coming soon um not just for the pro and not just for the beginner right. uh, with just the baseline stuff but we wanted to work for both so mm-hmm. you know, each each one of these teaches the basics the fundamentals but also expands on that so that even if you are more intermediate to advanced or you know the basics of these things already there's there's special touches and there's unique original elements that you've contributed to each of these plots and that's really cool so totally. um last but not least i wanted to uh thank you for doing this with us it's very amazing opportunity for our members to ask questions and get answers from someone that is really well experienced in performing and creating magic so thank you for taking the time out of your uh sunday in in miami where you could be on some beach um <laughs> to answer our questions and then uh also thanks to the members we got hundreds of questions in response to this and yeah. I'm sorry we could not get to all of them we had a limited time with Spidey today but we tried to get through as many as we possibly could and obviously feel free to reach out to Theory 11 to Spidey on the, in the forums on Facebook anywhere else and we'll be happy to continue this discussion and look forward to a lot more amazing yeah. stuff from Spidey over the next few weeks and Spidey thanks again for doing this Totally, man. My pleasure. And absolutely to all the members, thanks so much for writing in and taking time to specify your questions. It was heartwarming to see all the entries. And if there's anything I didn't answer, I apologize. Please do find me on Facebook and I will get around to answering all your questions. And thanks, JB, for having me. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye.